Cuisine, so. But it seems to be working. Yep. All right, welcome back to the show, guys. Welcome back to the Iron House Podcast. It's your boy, Daryl. And this is Roy. And today we wanted to have a quick little conversation about auto-regulation. Roy brought up that it's an interesting topic to talk about, and a lot of people don't know exactly what it is and how it works in the resistance training. And uh, we want to talk about what it is, how it works, what are some of the benefits of it, and how you can go about using auto-regulation in your own training. Right? Yep, that's pretty much it. So kick it off, man. Tell us. Tell, tell the good people at home what auto-regulation is exactly. Well, what it basically boils, the, boils down to is auto-regulation is adjusting your training uh, based on how you perform or how you feel for that day. Yeah. So you push a bit more on the days you feel good. And you push a bit less on the days you feel a bit less good. Yeah, relative to other training days. Yeah. And other performance yeah. output yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's like a, it's a fancy word for just adjusting your training based yeah. on how you feel. And, and it's funny because like, people that have a lot of training experience kind of do this automatically. Yeah. But I still see quite a few people who have a really hard time with this. Because uh, pretty often I hear people about, you know, they'll ask me if, I, if they can up the weight. When I have like an RPE range in there, yeah, and yeah. I'll always say like, you know, as long as you stick to the range... I don't care. Yeah, that, that if, as long as you're within the range, you're on program. Yeah. I don't care if you go up 20 kilos on the target weight. If it's within RP range, yeah. you're if, good. If it's, if it's to the prescribed estimated amount of work you're supposed to do that day, then it might be that that day you feel stronger. So you have to go a little bit heavier to make sure you're training at the right level. Yeah. And I get that question often as well. Almost never. If, if they can go lighter, my athletes just always feel good and they want to usually go heavier. And uh, that's also... Auto regulation. Make sure you don't go too hard, um, or when you have a day that's oh, we're gonna get into that. But basically, what in the most cases it is that people's having a hard day, or they forget that there's um, stressors and life factors outside the gym that might affect how you're gonna perform on that day. And auto regulation is a good way to give yourself a bit of an obvious trigger to be like, okay, I don't have to stick with these ways. I don't have to go do something. I'm not. Yeah ready for it helps you accept some of the the chaos that comes with training exactly because you know we're not machines we can't just go oh go up five kilos every week until infinity like yeah, yeah no, that'd, be nice. that'd be nice that'd be nice that'd be nice that'd be really no, nice th- that works for like three months and then <laughs> exactly in the beginning when you're a noob then yeah. you, can, you can do that then you can do that but um so what happens usually is that um our regulation has to do with not only your your physical readiness and how recovered you feel from the previous workout um, how strong you feel for that day, able to put your work in when you're building up. It also has to do with a little bit of mental readiness. I mean, if you, if physically you're fine, but you've had a really stressful day or you had a really high emotional day, that can also affect your training. Yeah, that so, can definitely uh, affect performance. Absolutely. And uh, the risk of not listening to these signals mm. and just training through it is that you might not be training at the same technique that you're used to because you're unable to feel your positioning feel your technique as you as you normally should which can cause injuries or you're going to be tackling heavier loads than you should be of the day which could also affect how well you're able to recover afterwards you might not be recovered enough from the previous workout and you're going to go make the fatigue even worse now also yeah because that's what i've had a couple times with athletes where they 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 really want to stick to the numbers and then they can like do a three by four at the prescribed weight because uh, it's just like a set of forward turning into RP11. So then they start doing like doubles to still get like the prescribed volume. And it's like, yeah, yeah. no, it's okay if you just drop the weight. You know, you don't have to go to like RP9.5 for four sets. So but there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to auto-regulate. So that's one of the options. Let's let's talk about some of the different ways you can do it because you're talking about RPE. 
Yeah. And RP is, you know, that's how we work. That's how that, that's the most used way to to, yeah. to auto regulate because RP is inherently like auto regulatory. You know, because yeah. because one day an RP eight might be hundred kilos and one day it might be hundred ten. Another day, day it might be ninety. Yeah, the the same weight could be very different RPEs depending on the day. Yeah. So tell the people what exactly RPE is. Uh, RPE stands for rating of perceived exertion, not yeah. rate of perceived exertion. Yeah. It's rating. Yeah, it's because you're, ra- you're rating the yeah. exercise. Yeah. Uh, rate is something. It's, it's technically yeah. a completely different yeah, yeah, word. Yeah. yeah. I only learned this from like Eric Helms. You know, who's very smart. So yeah, yeah. look him up by the way. Um, and it's basically a rating uh, on a scale of one to ten of how much uh, uh, not effort but um, uh, exertion you put yeah. into you put into something yeah and how, so like the p is very important for me is like the perceived yeah. yeah you have to make a like a gut check in that moment to have an estimate okay how do i feel i'm doing so it's a it's perception you have to be aware of yourself in a situation to be able to make a good rating yeah because we can try to be pretty decently objective with rpe but it is inherently it'll always stay mm-hmm. subjective you know like Everybody can tell you that it looks like a six, but if you feel like it's an eight, then it's an eight. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. Uh, but how it's most commonly used is also as a reverse uh, reps and reserve scale. So RP8 is two reps in reserve. RP9 will be one rep in reserve. RP10 is you know no reps left in the tank. Yeah. So on and so forth. Yeah. So it's uh, w- when you're rating your sets, you're basically trying to determine how much uh, work are you still able to do? How much do you have left in the tank? So like Roy said, if you're training at an RP8, or that's a prescribed training, you're trying to train at a weight where you can only accomplish two more reps after that in that set. Yeah. So that's basically how it goes. So the idea is to be able to, especially when you're, when you're coached, for the coach to have a, a line of effort output and total workload to train you on so that you don't go over, you don't stay under, you're not underperforming, and certain RPEs are good for certain things. You're not going to train... You're not going to have a lot of situations where you're training technique at RPE 9. That's more force training and power training. You're also not going to do your, you're not going to really get much experience for the platform if you're always training at RPE 6. So they they, have, they serve multiple purposes. Yeah. There's, a, there's a time and place for easy work and hard work. Exactly. You got to make sure you train smart and train hard. Yep. Um, and we use RPE, RPE here in the gym as well for our clients. Yeah, almost all athletes, even with custom programs, we we give people RPE because it's just a lot of people in the beginning they don't know how strong they are, so you can't prescribe everything based on percentages. Yeah. Also, the divide between the kind of work someone can do and different percentages is not the same for everyone. Uh, so some people yeah. can do a certain amount of reps at eighty percent, but you, there's no lin- not everyone has a linear, obvious line of reps relative to percentage of one rep max that they can do. Yeah, that can really differ per person. Uh, a good example, for instance, is uh, Julius, you know, who only comes here on uh, the weekends for uh, sessions. And he used to be, or he's still uh, rowing competitively. Like, he, he's pretty much an endurance athlete. Like, and, and now it's gotten better as we've been training for like a year. He's starting to slowly turn into like a real powerlifter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but before, like, you'd give, him an, him. You'd give him One an AMRAP. <laughs> you'd give him an AMRAP at like 85%, which would be like a five rep max yeah. for most people. Yeah, and, and a five rep max at RPE nine and a half. Yeah, and he'll do like 12 reps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy. So exactly. That's why it, RPE could be so handy because you're not basing it on, on an assumed percentage. You're telling someone, work as hard as you can until you can only do two more reps, and that's where I want you to stop. I want you to have two reps left in the tank so that we're not overdoing it. We're not going over that threshold. Or if you, it's also a good way to help someone estimate 
the day one rep max if you're starting with a, with a new a new athlete or if you are a beginner if you're if you're lifting and you're doing a set with a certain weight and you feel okay i think i can do i have, I have a good idea that i can do four more what i like about rp also is that if you do it right and you actually get close to rpe 10 from time to time mm-hmm. or when you're maxing or if you're in a competition that you actually have a clear reference point of what rpe 10 really is because there are a lot of people who write on rpe like nine but you look at it then as experienced coach you're like you can probably do yeah. three more if you if you did it right so but i feel like that happens more on like accessory lifts than actual barbell lifts i've had athletes that they would do they they would send me videos of their squat and it would be maybe like 94% of their one reps. Like, yeah, that was RP9. I'm like, mm, I don't, I'm not sure it was. And then we train together and then we go, okay, let's, let's start with one. And if, if it feels good, we'll go for a double. And then end up doing triples and four reps. So it's like, well, so sometimes you need that reference point yeah, to know yeah, exactly what RP10 is. If, if you have a hard time being honest with yourself about yeah. it. And uh, like, RPE is one of the ways you mentioned reps and reserve also. Yeah. That's basically the same thing. You're trying to estimate how much work you have left in the tank. You're trying to stay below a certain threshold for whatever prescribed reason the coach or the programming has. Um, usually it's because you need time to adapt things. You don't want to speed through your training. You don't want to miss out on opportunities to learn technique also. So you have normal programming that will keep you on a certain RPE for a few weeks until the RPE really drops or the person has to, like you say, yeah. have to adjust the weight back up. to keep Yeah, because I think that's also where RPE can come in handy is what, like with the progression because how much stronger people get week to week also differs a lot. Yeah, Like you can make a program for like five, six weeks and have it up the program by, I don't know, let's say five kilos every week. But, you know, somebody might become stronger than that per week, but another person might become less strong week yeah. to week. So like... If, if the deviation is too much, then you end up like training too hard or way too yeah. easy. And that's where RP comes in handy. Like, you know, it's supposed to be this way, but that's way too hard. So let me just drop down so I can, you know, get some yeah. new training in. Yeah, I see it as just a really easy way to stick to the plan. That you have a target that you're trying to hit and you can adjust based on that target. And I think people could probably benefit from learning to let weights go, certain weights on the barbell. I mean, people even have that they, well, I need to do 97 and a half, but. Two plates of twenty per side is easier, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. like, there's there's a bit of like a, a numberphilia in the, with most lifters, but RP is a really good way to stay on target and not worry about the weights and make sure you're you're training on plan and towards a specific goal instead of just training for that specific rep. Um, there's a lot of things that influence, of course, how you train on a day. And there's so many things that can influence it that it's so hard for a coach to just be like, oh, well, this week we're going two and a half kilos heavier. When I see training programs with no um, RPE or, or reps and reserve or level of intensity, anything, I always get really worried because it gets heavier and heavier, but there's no way to take into account all the different things in life that can affect your training. Yeah. yeah, Like what I said earlier, like embracing the chaos that comes within training. Because even if you like to do nothing but just train, eat, and sleep, you're still going to have like better days and worse days. It's just inherently how it works. Yeah. So there's actually a really long list of things that can affect your training. And most people are not even able to recognize everything or have no idea that that might affect how I feel in the workout. Because it's normal and we all accept the premise that training is like this. Training goes up and down. Some days have yeah. good and bad. So that, that's inherent. Um, there are things you can do to optimize your training so that it becomes as linear as possible. So the, the dips and the, the hills get closer to each other. Um, and the more serious you take your training, the more you can do that, of course. But there's a lot of things that influence it. So just to make a bit of a short list, 
um, like work stress, the time of training. If you yep. sit, if you suddenly, if you always work out in the evening, all of a sudden you got to work out in the morning. That's gonna that yep. might make a big difference for you. And people, I mean, sometimes you have people who religiously only train after work after five or six o'clock. Then they got to go compete, and they're the, they're in the first group in the in the morning, and that might be a oh yeah, of, that can feel really weird. That could be a bit yeah. of almost like a culture shock. So when you train has influence um, your emotional state. Um, for women being on your period or ha- or anything yeah. resembling that, um, poor recovery from the previous training session, yeah, um, use of like alcohol or substances the weekend before, and you gotta start training on Monday. What else? Uh, well, there's also a couple things that you know, like also affect performance, but like in a positive way because stuff like caffeine, you know, will improve your performance. Yep, absolutely. So if you take take caffeine, you can probably live the same way at. Uh, um, lower RP or yeah. more weight than the same RP. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, stuff like uh, arousal or like hype. Yeah. You know, if you get really hyped for a lift, you can probably lift more or lift the same weight easier than if you're just going into it like you're brushing your teeth. Yeah, I think mo- most people can recognize it. like if you have a really fun session with your friends and you're kind of egging each other on, you're probably going to push more weight. Yeah. Where you would in, on yourself, you would ride it up as a higher RP than normal. Yeah. So those indeed are same as there are negative um, effects of uh, for training. There are also positive effects when it comes to that. I'm trying to think of if, if there's anything that really affects like my training. I, I just yeah, but your training is so random that yeah, it, it's it's all chaos. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just try to go as hard as possible. So I'm always, yeah. <laughs> I'm always trying to get to RPE 10. Yeah, and but in that case, for me, it's a matter of if I'm having a tougher day. I'll still go to RPE ten. How I train? I don't power lift, so that's so people are like, wait, he goes to RPE ten. That's weird. Yeah, but so, so I think the reason why that works is because you don't stick to one workout. Like no. you do so many different things. Yeah, and then you can like train pretty hard all the time because you know you do so many different things. You're not gonna run into overuse injuries. No. Whereas like if you do the same exercise week to week, and you go RPE ten every week, you're gonna probably get injured, burn yourself out, and. All kinds of other nasty stuff. Because when I because when I was deadlifting regularly in my, in my programming, even though it wasn't like strict powerlifting, I I had a rule: I have to deadlift two sixty every week, at least once a week. Mm-hmm. So that was just one single, no matter what I'm doing. Even this is my only workout, I do one single because that was for me RPE nine, and I did it for like a few months, just every week at least one rep, like two sixty, just to pull it. And at some point, you do notice that hey, this is starting to feel. Like not RPE nine anymore. Yeah, probably, yeah, but then like like two hundred and sixty two and a half was like RPE fourteen, so <laughs> it didn't have the effect I was hoping for. But I was probably missing the rest of the training components to actually make it make sense. Yeah, probably, probably. Were you only doing the single, or also like other sets, or was it just like work up the single and then go do other stuff? Yeah, that that was it. Hmm. I don't know why it was just like the plates on the bar was just nice and like I could always pull it. Yeah, but I think that can work out pretty well because, you know, like you're training hard, but you're only actually doing a single set. Yeah. So you're not really doing that much work. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's also another way to to use auto-regulation is the idea of if, there, if what's prescribed is four sets of six and you're having a tough day, making it six sets of four. Yeah. That's also an option. Yeah, or also just, you know, Skipping a set, which I sometimes do, especially also, if I'm like peaking towards a meet, where you know, like the volume you do doesn't really matter that much, as long as you like don't start skipping too many sets too soon. But if you're yeah. like in the last couple of weeks, you're pretty tired, you're beat up, 
And then if it's like, you know, if I'm really, really beat up, like I can't get the next set anymore at like a reasonable RP, I'll usually just skip the set instead of dropping down because what I sometimes have is where you drop down and then in your head, it's, it needs to, it should feel easier. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't. And, and then it doesn't. And then so then you just have like another shitty set. So like, yeah. let me skip this. But at that point, like intensity is the, is the thing that's the most important. So, you know, it's totally okay. And I'm yeah. talking like the last two weeks before heading into a table. Yeah, because at that point, you're just being hyper-specific for the yeah. competition. So at, at a competition, no one cares how good you can do your triples. Yeah, whatever I did, like a 3x5 or a 4x5, doesn't matter that much at that no. point anymore. No. And of course, um, maybe people who aren't super competitive powerlifters or not uh, diehard powerlifters, um, they, I would assume most people won't feel the need to auto-regulate because maybe they train more like I do. Yeah, like with me, I try to go as hard as possible. I'm really trying to suffer, but most people when they train, I think they experience enough recovery in between to not feel as though they have to auto-regulate. You don't hit that wall in the training at some point where you come in with expectations. You're like, oh, today I'm gonna do this weight for this many reps, and then all of a sudden the body crashes. True, but so um, yeah, because those people they 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 get more recovery. If they're not serious like athletes, they're probably also not as strict uh, outside of the gym as they are as like serious powerlifters or that kind of true, stuff. So true, they true. might have like a bigger difference between the good workouts and the bad workouts. And I think where other regulation can really come in handy is turning a bad workout into a still productive workout. Yeah, because I've seen that like like a lot where people can hit the target weight and then they feel like it's a bad workout. Where if you just like do a bit less work, do a bit less weight, do less sets, whatever you need to adjust, you can still feel like you did a good workout because it was a productive workout, which is all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what, what I would kind of want to try and do is give people maybe like a little cheat sheet to know when it might be a signal for auto-regulation because serious athletes, especially someone who's coached and has a program, the program is like almost, you know, it's holy. They want to follow it to the T. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe some of the things that people can recognize be like, okay, this is an example of maybe I need to tone it down or maybe... Uh, I'm coming into the gym with this. It might affect how I'm training. I'm a big proponent of train first with your best attempt and your best mindset and see what the results are. It, you definitely don't want to lie to yourself. You don't want to be feeling like shit and just try to be super optimistic and still lift. Uh, being honest is important, but um, I think before we get into it, people should still, if you're having a bad day, if you don't feel up to it, Try first and still make sure you're doing everything right. If you have cues from your coach, if you have a certain setup and technique or flow that you need to get into, do those things physically, even though my, mentally or emotionally you might be feeling like shit. And let the barbell speak first, you know? So don't just assume, man, I had a really bad day at the office today. I'm going to lift like shit. I've had moments where I've had really tough days and then I went to deadlift and I hit really, really close to my PRs or my technique was on point. Yeah. Or I think any strength athlete can can confirm this. Where exactly. like sometimes your your what you're expecting to be your worst day yeah. are like your best days. That should, have, that should have a name. It should be a name for that phenomenon because it happens so regularly. And even in competitions, people are just they come in, they weigh, and they just feel like crap. And like they they also say that they're nervous and it's not going to be a good day. Let's open five kilos lighter on the opener and see what happens. And then all of a sudden, everything just flies and you feel good. Yeah. So I wonder if that's just like getting yourself out of that dip. Or is it like misperception of that dip? Yeah, I don't know. I almost have no idea. Cause, cause it's, it's weird because like I've legit had days where I don't just like feel bad mentally, but like I've, I'm actually starting to get sick. So I'm also actually like oh, yeah. feeling bad physically, you know. I still had like 
awesome training sessions. Yeah. Like it's 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 so it's so weird. I remember the first so weird. the first time I benched one sixty, which was to me like one of my biggest lifting goals. After that, I was like, fuck it, I'm done. That day that I benched one sixty, man, I had stomach flu and I, I had to put on my knee sleeves because when I put leg drive, my knees were hurting and shit. So I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get this today. But for some reason, everything was flying. And granted, afterwards, I felt horrible. I felt beat up afterwards. I think I went to bed at 9 o'clock that night because of how shitty I felt from it. But it's just a weird thing. And I think for a lot of people, it, I think the ability to pull yourself out of a dip is pretty hard. I think it calls for like really strong mental faculties. Yeah, it takes really like a lot, a lot of mental effort Yeah, for sure. I think that's why what you said earlier, let the barbell speak for itself because I'm also a big believer in that, you know, just try first, yeah. put in your best effort. Yeah. And like if your best effort doesn't allow you to do what's prescribed in the program, then you can drop down. Yeah. Because, you know, because then probably performance isn't there. But also, what I also like is just uh, monitor how your warm-ups are moving, yeah. you know. Like really think about how they feel and, you know, because most people in here film their sets anyway, you know, look at how fast they move. Yeah. Uh, and, and, well, and b- before you get there, you got to do what most people don't do is take all your sets seriously. People, yeah. People oh, fuck, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they fuck around with an empty bar and they do whatever. They Like when I see people warm up and I know how they lift, like, wait, that's not how you lift the bar out. That's not your setup. That's not where your normal bar position is. And, that's true, yeah. And then you don't have a good reference point because you're not actually warming up for your working sets. You're just fucking around and moving for the sake of moving. So the first step is to make sure that you're training properly. You're actually putting your best effort so that you can deduct whether you're having a bad day or not. So if you will yeah. have to auto-regulate. Yeah, because if you take your warm-up seriously, then you'll end up like with a with a couple weights for each set where, okay, this weight is moving this way. So yeah, I should perform pretty well for this day. Yeah. So like I was saying, I think for most people, like getting out of, like pulling yourself out of the dip. So it being an actual dip, either mentally, emotionally, physically, and then... Like climbing out of that dip to still have a good day, I think that's really hard. Yeah, so I think sure. in, in most cases, it would have to be just a misperception of it. So um, the idea of like mislabeling what you've experienced. So just because everyone gets down because, I don't know, someone hit their car, doesn't mean that you also have to make it that big of a deal or yeah. let it affect you that much. So um, people will like to label something like make a very dramatic ultimate determination of this is how i feel or this happened so i feel this way and that's already how they come into the gym with that mindset so they don't even give themselves a chance to train out of it or get just get into the flow and try it anyway oh i had an argument with my boss so i'm gonna have a shitty day well you don't have to you can have you can have experienced bad shit and just compartmentalize it and you know Gym is gym, training is training. Yeah, because at, at the end of the day, like that kind of stuff, like it affects you physically, which can affect performance, but it doesn't really affect you, or it affects you mentally, which can affect performance, yeah. I should say, but it doesn't affect you like physically. Yeah, I think I've heard the same thing with uh, with like sleep, where uh, how good or bad you slept has zero effect on actual one rep max performance, which if you think about it, it's pretty weird. Cause, yeah, you know, it is weird. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. So wait, one more yeah. time. So how if you sleep good or bad, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really affect one arm performance physically. You know, because like it'll affect your recovery, which can affect your performance uh, at the end yeah, of the okay. day. Okay, so what you're saying is it's not like your muscles can do less. Yeah. Okay. Basically, yeah. so if you like slept bad for like one day, but you recovered, then you're all good. Which like yeah, true. Okay, probably a lot of power yeah, yeah. can confirm I've had it as well. Where like you know you sleep 
awful the day before the competition, but you still perform really well because you're recovered anyway yeah. and the sleep doesn't really affect your 1RM strength. So, you know, then you perform well. True. I think w- with those things, like when you grab the recovery and your training and auto-regulation and performance on a day, there's so many factors that play into it that you can always find an exception to the rule also. Yeah. There could be 100 people who will say, these five things cause me to have to auto-regulate. And you have one joker who's like, well, I experience all this stuff all the time and always have really great days. So there's, there's a bunch of exceptions. I think what's important is to try to identify for yourself um, just if every training you're having is an effective training. Yeah. Um, does, does the training feel as though it's a training that contributes to the goal? Are you training? Are, are, you be, are you able to work towards what you want to work towards? If, for me, the biggest thing is if you're hitting the weights but you're fucking sloppy and the technique is breaking down and you're doing weird shit and it, you can't recognize your own lifts because you're just trying to force the numbers, I think that's a pretty clear-cut sign. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, having trying to have productive training st- days instead of good training days is pretty important. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you follow uh, Supreme Strength Coaching. They had a good post uh, about this, you know, where, uh, about training versus performing. Because sometimes we I get think, so... I, I think you reposted it in your stories, right? Uh, I might have. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not so sure. Because it's not familiar. But, but yeah. walk but us through it. Anyway, uh, so they were talking about, you know, because sometimes we get so attached to the numbers yeah. where we start to try and perform in trainings, trying to hit certain numbers instead of just trying to produce a uh, productive session, you know? Yeah. Like really, we didn't want to hint that 200 kilo squat instead of just going for 190, yeah. which would be like a productive set. Yeah. So that's like the the weighing, hitting numbers for the sake of hitting numbers yeah. and becoming really good at your craft. Because you might, I think most people prefer lifting more weights than learning more about themselves as a lifter. Sometimes certain weights will teach you more about your technique and give you opportunity to learn more from reference than other things. The, just having to overly brace and overly hype yourself can mask a lot of the lessons, a lot of the feelings of your movement because you're going too heavy. Sometimes going a little bit lighter and really feeling, okay, I'm definitely on depth. Oh, this is what I want my knees to do. This is my hip angle to my knee angle. This is where my bar position. Oh, yep. if I do this with my grip, it feels a little bit better. Yeah, because that way we get into the the mindset of, you know, training to become better instead of training to, like, hit some sort of number in the training session. Yeah, because uh, we ask that to people, like, do you want to become a really good power lifter or do you want to become, like, really, really strong? Those are two different things. Yeah, true. Those yeah. are different things. So I guess the lesson is that you need to figure out for yourself, are there trainings I'm, um, the workouts I'm doing, are they productive? Are they working for me? Am I working towards my goal? Or am I overly focused on a pre-described number or weight, regardless of what it actually means in the end? Yeah. And don't get too caught up in the weights. I mean, when you're, if your coach is a good coach and he gives you an RPE target or a range to train in, um, make sure, one, track your training properly. Make sure you actually write down your RPEs, write down your reps and reserve or your LOE to give indication, okay, this, this set or this total workout felt like this. Um, be accurate. Try to be as accurate as you can. Use reference points from this is a really good training day. This is what I would like to have repeat, uh, repeated over multiple yep. workouts. Use it as a reference point and build from there. You think, well, I did all the numbers, but it felt a lot more challenging this week. You're going to ask yourself, why is that? Is it because the training is, is harder or have you had a harder week? And, um, yeah, and just trying these things can also help you develop the, the skill that is other regulation. Absolutely. Because it definitely is a skill. You know, yeah. uh, I think we, uh, I said this off camera, but you know, most uh, 
well, uh, most athletes with a lot of experience like do this inherently. Yeah. Like ask anybody, ask Frank, for example, he probably doesn't, barely knows what RPE is, but he probably auto-regulates yeah. because it's just a skill you develop as an athlete. Yeah, but also because at some point you understand if I if I push it, I'll, there'll be consequences further down the road. Yeah. And, and I'd, rather, I'd rather have a guaranteed good enough session tomorrow than a four session today with a high chance of a garbage session tomorrow. Yeah. So it's it's there's there's more workouts to come there's more training to come and it's absolutely a skill because people people are inherently fucking bad at estimating things like True. humans uh, in general not us in training are horrible at estimating things ask anyone statistically about a, a, a question they'll be wrong most likely like there's there's tests where they grab random questions and they give chimpanzees the options to choose and chimpanzees always one third of the time apparently they get it right most people are get get the questions wrong more than chimpanzees do because we're just bad we're, we're, <laughs> that's hilarious we're bad at estimating things if, if you ask some if you fill up a bucket with tennis balls you ask someone mm-hmm. how many balls are in there almost no one will come close to the right answer because we're yeah. just bad at estimating so you have to learn to perceive your training appropriately if work if training out matters to you if it's important to you it's also worth taking into account all the things that can affect your training don't just ignore the fact that you had a hard week or you had a stressful deadline or something and they'll be like, man, I don't get it. My squats are going shit. Well, of course, yesterday you had a really, really tough emotional day. Your, your recovery is low. You didn't eat right. You, you might have pissed, out, pissed away a good training because you partied the whole weekend. Yeah. So be aware of the things in your life that will actually influence it. I'm not saying don't have fun and sacrifice everything for training, but don't come in Monday Knowing you have to do really heavy sets and knowing you didn't sleep the whole weekend or you had a big emotional blowout and just trying to force it. Yeah, but I think uh, speaking about that, it's also because uh, for a lot of people, it's hard to uh, accept those things as like legit reasons to yeah, drop yeah, yeah. down the weight. Because yeah. like, I don't think I've ever had a client uh, where they 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 were taking it too easy. At least like not a lot of, not a pretty serious training athlete, yeah, you know. Because yeah. I have some people who have just have a hard time coming to the gym, but for the people who don't have a hard time coming to the gym at all, I've never had anybody like take it too easy in training. It's usually where like they should probably take yeah, it a bit should, easier because they have like yeah. good reasons to take it a bit easier because they have this going on, that going on, they slept like shit, you know, they're tired, I don't know, whatever. Uh, but they don't because they gotta stick to the program. Yeah, uh, there's an example of someone also. I'm not gonna say who, his or her name, but it's exactly the same thing. I have them on really, really heavy training, and then, yeah. If if, if I say too, much, if, this, this is going to be a bad story because <laughs> if I say too much, I'm going to spoil who it is. But then they they go through pretty serious shit the whole week. Uh-huh. But then on the end of the week, in the last heavy bench session, I'll get a message like, "Oh man, yeah, I don't know what happened. It was just stuff." I'm like, "No shit, it was supposed to be t- challenging. It was supposed to be a tough one. That's why I wrote that in a program. Like, just try. Don't worry too much about uh-huh. the number. But then." It's it's so easy for people to go overboard and kind of be tough on themselves if there's a hundred good reasons why it didn't go right. Yeah, a lot of times people are just too hard on themselves. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be kind of you got if you're a performance athlete in any way, you kind of have to be kind to yourself because we everyone accepts the premise you're gonna have good days and bad days. Yep. But still, when a bad day comes every once in five weeks, you're all like, "Wow, how, how can this happen? I don't understand it." But even though everyone understands the premise, you have good days and bad days. There's a coach that says it's the rule of thirds. So uh, if, if, you're, if you're working hard towards anything, oh, yeah, yeah. so a third of the time, you're going to have a fantastic experience and performance. 
a third time it's going to be moderate it's going to be average it's going to be comparable to your peers or around you and a third time you're going to feel like absolute shit there's going to be things unexplicable there's going to be an x factor somewhere that caused you to do it and out of that one third time most of it is going to be non-explainable there's not going to be a really clear-cut reason probably yeah you're not going to be able to pinpoint ah it's because of this and this plus that minus that times that that i feel this way and the reason is if only were that easy. You yeah. know, our jobs would be a lot easier if it was exactly. that way. But because most people also are just not open to perceiving what's going on. Yeah. They're, they don't sit back and say, okay, what did I experience today? What are the things that might contribute positively, contribute negatively? It's also not probably not a way to live. Sounds maybe a little bit too fucking methodical. But people, people don't do that. So you have to dig and ask questions and then you uncover, oh, well, so how was that? Oh, yeah, well, it was actually really tough. Oh, well, okay. And what, what else happened? Yeah, I got a call that my aunt is sick. Oh, okay. And then like, oh, wait. So, yeah, I technically do have a good reason to not feel really fantastic today. Yeah. So be kind to yourself, man. Just, yeah. you know, take it easy. You're, you're supposed to have good days and bad days. If you have bad days, fucking relax. It's okay. We yeah. all have bad days. Chill. Yeah. And use auto-regulation. I think if, if you're training with a coach and your coach also prescribes that, talk to your coach about it. Talk about in what situations would he rather have something else or something. I think most coaches would agree that if you're having a tough day, you're absolutely allowed to adjust the weights back down because we're trying yep. to. And, and don't be afraid, afraid that the coach is going to get mad at you because trust me, it's probably going to be a lot kinder to you than you are to yourself. Yeah, most likely. If you have a good coach, he's probably in your corner and trying to protect you from yeah. yourself. So uh, dope. Yeah. Give that it a shot. It. And let us know what you guys think about auto-regulation. Do you do it? Is it something that uh, is part of your programming? Um, maybe you use it in other aspects of life, not just in training, which is also, I mean, auto-regulation is a fancy word to use for this, but auto-regulation can be done for almost everything. Um, and let us know what you think. If you enjoyed this episode, give it a like, comment wherever you're listening or watching it, if you can't comment. If you'd rather see us as you listen, we have a YouTube version of this as well. Subscribe, do all that good shit, do all the algorithm stuff. Feed the algorithm. Yeah, because there's no, I can't figure figure it out. Instagram has gone to shit. Nothing works. So just, even if you didn't enjoy it, just for just be a nice guy and be like, 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 comments. Just leave us, just talk, press the space button so that it counts as a character and press send. That's good. <laughs> just empty comments. That's fine with me. Let the, let the algorithm work for us. And uh, hey, thanks for listening. See ya.